Welcome to this episode of Ability. I'm Jacob Holt, and I'm not your host for this episode. For this episode, I thought it would be fun for you to hear a bit about me and to hear my story. So for this episode, I brought on my friend Destiny Dyer from the first episode to talk to me about my life and a bit about my story. I hope you really enjoy it. There's some moments in here that I feel are really intimate and personal, and I hope that that comes across, and I hope that you really enjoy it. It was really interesting and a blast to make. I'm excited to do more in 2017. Let's get started. All right, so can you tell me what your disability is? I have osteogenesis imperfecta type 3. It's better known as brittle bones disease. It means over my lifetime I've broken many, many bones and I have spent countless hours on the operating room table. That's my synopsis. All right. um, What was it like for you going through school? Uh, Ups and downs, but I imagine that's for most uh, kids going through school. There's a lot of highs, a lot of lows. I have teachers that I love, teachers that I hated. You know, puberty's never fun. Uh, I don't care what you have. Um, You know, middle school. And middle school's pretty miserable. I don't care who you are. Middle school's usually very terrible. But I, school was fun. I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of difficulties. I really, special education really bothered me, so they pigeonholed me in special ed classes for a long time. And it wasn't until high school where they let me go. And that's actually when I began to start doing well in school. I was a terrible student up until high school. And they finally let me go of the special ed classes, and I could take regular classes. And I actually started doing well in school. (coughs) Now, you didn't have an aide through most of school. Was that your choice or your parents' choices? I don't quite remember the conversation. I know I didn't want an aide. I know I wanted as little help as possible. I wanted to be left alone. I felt like an aide was just having a parent watching you all day at school. Yeah, that's kind of true. So, you know, every time you broke a rule, you know, you would get in trouble, but everybody else didn't. So it, it, uh, I didn't enjoy the extra supervision. I didn't quite need it, especially once I hit high school. I didn't need the help. The only help I needed was yeah. for a while our high school didn't have an elevator. So hunting somebody down with the key to the lift was a challenge, and I, of course, needed help with that. But um, the aid was never something I was that into. When I was younger, sure, I would say I definitely needed an aide. When I was in in younger elementary school, first through fifth grade. But once I hit yeah. middle school, I re- it was not necessary, and I don't think they gave me an aide large portions of that time. Yeah, I totally get that. I was the opposite, though. I needed lots of help, and so I had an aide. But I liked your choice of being very independent in that. I just didn't enjoy the extra supervision. I didn't want it. I didn't need it. It was just annoying. <laughs> it was pretty annoying. Plus, plus, AIDS, just like in any profession, you had good ones and you had bad ones. If you had a good one, it wasn't that bad. But if you had a bad one, it was miserable. It's like being, you know, chained to a prisoner. When did you realize that you were different from the other students in school? I knew I was different from a very young age, even before I went to school. I I don't remember a time that I 
thought that I was completely normal in the case that I remember being young and it was a dream of my immediate family that I would walk. So them, you know, pushing me to get in a walker and use that every day and pushing me, you know, Jacob, you're going to walk, you're going to be normal, in quotes. And that was something that I, I, I've always been aware that I was different. There's never been for me one that I recall of an aha moment that I am not a able-bodied person. I've always felt this way. What adaptations have you made to the world? Like, um, you know, making things easier on yourself. I have quite a few adaptations. I like to hack together better solutions to problems. I, of course, use a power wheelchair to get around in my everyday life. I'm so lucky that I'm able to drive and I have a specially adapted van. Uh, I have, you know, one of those old people grabbers where you can reach something up that's high up or low on the ground. You know, I get even clever with, for example, I have a drawer. The, the handle on it's kind of difficult for me to pull open without, you know, breaking my back to pull it open. So I've put a command hook on it. And if I'm not wearing shoes, I can actually grab it with my toes and pull it open. Which sounds weird, but it's so much better than bending down and pulling it open. So it's, it's, it's a lot of just being clever and thinking of interesting ways to solve a problem. That's something that I've always been fairly gifted at. You know, thinking through a problem, what's the easiest and best solution? It, it gets very creative at times. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, you know, my family has always needed to be creative to come up with problems of, okay, how are we going to get Jacob's wheelchair in in here? And there have been interesting problems to that. I remember one time at my grandparents' house, I had newly gotten a power chair, and we couldn't figure out how to get the power chair into the house. And they had a deck, which we had an aluminum ramp. It was kind of like for a lawnmower, that you could drive the wheelchair up the ramp. But then to get into the house, there was... A step and the step was too high for the wheelchair so what we did was we took a board you know like a two by four and drilled it to the wood deck and it kind of made a little half step to go up into the house so I, I always feel like that's a clever solution that we came up with and I still use that tact occasionally I have a friend who has a house that has uh, you know two steps to get into so we actually, he has two by fours that he keeps around just for that reason. How do you think people see you, like, versus the world? I think people see me, front most is short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say short, kind of wise cracking. Of course, the wheelchair is the first person that it, first thing that anyone sees it's I, I kind of describe my wheelchair as a wall that's been built around me that kind of separates me on some level to the rest of the world. It keeps me, you know, from even something as simple as breaking the touch barrier. If I want to reach out and touch someone on the shoulder and say, hey, it's going to be all right. I can't even do something simple like that. So it's a wall that's been built around me. And say they see the wheelchair first, how they see me personally without the equipment, let's say. I don't know, probably annoying. 
<laughs> just my guess. I'm probably annoying. I try. You You're know, not annoying. You're just really fast talking. <laughs> my my social skills have never been that good. I've kind of had to. I've I've had to fake it until I make it. My social skills just aren't that well developed. I never had a lot of time talking with my peers growing up. I don't think. I spent significant time with someone my own age until I went to school at six years old. Most of that time, I spent talking with people that were older to me. So my social skills aren't that very well developed. I have a bad habit of when someone is talking to me looking down or looking away, which is a habit that I've been trying to break for a long time, and it's probably a lost cause. What's your relationship with your parents? I know a little bit of the story, but... My relationship, like, with my parents has been interesting. I lost my father at a young age. I, my father passed away at age 10, and I didn't get the privilege of getting to know him that well. We were never that much in common. My father didn't finish middle school, even. So my father was an outdoorsy, hunter kind of guy. My last conversation I remember with my father is him asking me to go dove hunting. And I, I have no interest in that. that. That did not sound fun. That did not sound interesting. I would have had to have been carried the whole way. It just was not interesting. And I told him, Dad, no, I don't want to go dove hunting. And I think that was kind of enigmatic of our relationship. For my mother, of course, like with any of your parents, there are ups and downs. We have always been very civil. <laughs> um, it's... It's never really shouting. Me and my mother kind of grew up together in a way. My mother had me at a very young age, and we kind of grew up together. Have had, There aren't really interesting plot points to me and my mother's relationship. It's kind of an ongoing, growing thing. Now, what about your siblings? Well, my dad was a busy guy, so... <laughs> I... I um, my father had, I have two half-brothers from my father, and then my mother has another child, a daughter, and I say they've been fine. Me and, from my father's side, my two half-brothers, we don't communicate that much. We're kind of spread out. The youngest is 12, I think, and the oldest, he's, he's almost in his 30s now, I believe. So we have quite an age difference between all of us. So there's not a whole lot in common for us to talk about if we were to get together. There's not a lot of common shared experience, especially compared to my older half-brother. He, of course, knew my father very well and, you know, grew up with him. I have at least some memories of my father and him being around. And then the youngest half-brother, he, he was one when our father passed away. So he doesn't remember him at all. With me and my sister, we've always gotten along really well. We've always been fine. I've, I've, I, I don't really have any horror stories. That's always she's always been really helpful and accepting of my disability, and my, we care about each other. So, who inspires you in the world? Doesn't have to be, you know, disabled or not. For a large portion of my life, my grandmother, my late grandmother, was my inspiration. She is one of the greatest human beings that I got 
the pleasure to know she was so kind and so giving of herself. And I miss her dearly. I literally think of her daily. And she took a large part in raising me as a child. Over the summers when school was not in session, I would be sent to my grandparents. I would, all, for all intents and purposes, live there for you know three months a year. And you know, I would go there so many weekends a year, even when school was in session. And uh, she was one of my best friends. And I get a little sad and teary-eyed just talking about her here. She was such a spectacular person to know. And I am so much a part of her. I, 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 we had so much fun together. She was such a rock and such a great person to have around. I could tell her anything. And she would understand and absorb that and be able to give you some of the best advice you could imagine. And she was so giving and so sharing of herself and so selfless. I, uh, there will never be replacing her. I pity the person that would try. But, uh, but I would say it was definitely my grandmother who inspires me even to this day. If there was a cure that we knew about, would you take it? It would depend on what the cure would entail. Would it also make me taller? Would it make me, what, would it, would you give me a shot and all of a sudden I am over a foot taller, you know, like I'm closer to, you know, five foot eight and my bones are stronger again? Sure, I guess so, if it was just a quick shot. I think that being able to walk around even at my height is kind of dangerous. If I was to walk around, it would be really easy for me to get backed over by a car, for example. So I think it's kind of dangerous to just walk around at my current height. I don't think so. I'm quite happy with who I am. There are parts of my condition that I don't enjoy, that I wish could be better. Would I put this on someone else? No, absolutely not. So if there was a newborn child that had OI and you said, you know, we can give them the shot and they'll be all better, hell yeah, I'd do that. I'm fairly happy and I'm able to get around really well. So it's it's not a thing that I'm longing every day for the gift of walking. Yeah, you kind of accepted it. It's my reality. I had somebody ask me once, if I could walk like right now, what is the first thing I would do? And it took me like 10 minutes to come up with an answer to that. Because I, I, I just don't think that way. That's not a way that I sit and think about, well, if I could just walk, it would all be better. That's not the way I think. If you could have any job that doesn't have restraints to it, what would that dream job be? I have two main ones that I can think of. First is, I joke all the time, I'm going to quit whatever I'm doing and go be a comedian. I really love to make people laugh, and I love to laugh myself. So I really come up with these really self-deprecating and kind of awful jokes. If you ever can be a fly on the wall when there's a bunch of people in a wheelchair just hanging out or people with disabilities, you'll hear some of the most awful jokes in some cases. And that's the kind of atmosphere that I love. I love these 
just horrible self-deprecating jokes that you would never hear in a group of people, you know, that's kind of able-bodied in a way. that They would feel kind of bad making these jokes. I joke frequently that I'm going to have a comedy special on Netflix this year. It's going to be the I Can't Stand Up comedy special from Netflix. I think that would be just a lot of fun. I love being funny and telling jokes. It all started with me copying other comedians. So I would listen to comedians like Rodney Dangerfield. And later in life, I listened to comedians like Sam Kennison and other and others, and especially from Roddy Dangerfield, he told jokes on what made him uncomfortable and his insecurities. That's where a lot of his comedy came from. I get no respect. I'm ugly, this and that, and that's a lot of my comedic style is poking fun at myself and my own insecurities. The other profession that I would most love to do is probably a voice actor. I don't have the talent for it, almost certainly. I'm not near talented enough, but I I really love the idea of becoming a character, at least via voice. I'm never gonna be on a you know, be in a play and be able to be a character, but through my voice I could become a character. And just all the time, if I'm alone, I'll end up doing weird impressions and voices and working through them. Some of them are really terrible, some of them are just a little bit less terrible. But I would love to be a voice actor. I'm not going to do any for you now, so don't worry. I'm not going to throw any crazy impression on you. I've had conversations with people about doing a fiction podcast where, you know, it's stories and you could do voices and impressions and things and, and do characters. I love that and that talent and that skill. Like I said, I'm not near talented enough to do that, but I would love so much to get that opportunity at least once. So those are the two things. They're kind of together but separate. Comedian and voice actor. So what currently brings you joy in life? Music has always brought me incredible joy in my life. Ever since I can remember, I have had a love for music. And especially now in my life, I have a love for all kinds of music. You know, not one genre over another. Music is amazing to me because music is a machine for empathy. It's a vehicle for sharing the way that the artist feels at that point in time or a feeling that they had or would wish to share with you. And I really relate to a lot of those feelings and emotions. I'll give you a good example of a song that I really love. It's a cover, but I'll tell you who it's originally by. Uh, My Body is a Cage. It was by Arcade Fire. And Peter Gabriel did a cover on his Scratch My Back album. And the song is not about having a disability and being trapped in your body. Although I sometimes take it that way. The song is actually about the writer, the person who is, you know, the character in the song is trapped by his self-awareness and self-consciousness and his fear. He's trapped in himself. My body is a cage and it keeps me from dancing with the one I love, but my mind holds the key. It's a great song and it really captures a way to share that emotion that the writer was feeling at that time. He was, he felt trapped in his emotions, in his body, and he couldn't reach out to someone.
It's a really great song. I recommend you listen to it. My Body is a Cage by Peter Gabriel. But music brings me immense joy. So this is a deep question. If heaven exists, what would you want God to say? No hard feelings. <laughs> Why? I kind of have this image in my head of God being like Fonzie. So like you arrive at the pearly gates and he like goes like, hey, no hard feelings. <laughs> so it, the <laughs> I find that's 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 just the way I feel. I think no hard feelings is a great answer to that question. What's the biggest challenge I have had to overcome? The biggest challenge I've had to overcome has to do with my back surgeries. I've had three. My first one was a spinal fusion. My second one, they went and took out all the rods and pins in my spine. And the third one, they went and put that hardware back in. For that second surgery, to make a long story short, we thought that I had a back infection. I had been running pretty consistent fevers, and I was in tremendous pain. It happened all at once. Literally, the way I remember it is I got out of the car, and all of a sudden I remembered, oh my God, I hurt so bad. What has happened? And I go and lay down and fall asleep. One of the you know, last restful sleeps I got for a while. And I wake up and I still feel awful. And a few hours later I notice I'm running a fever. And I give it a day or two. And I call my orthopedic surgeon and I say, Dude, I'm, I think I have a back infection. This is crazy. I go down there, and they take an x-ray, and we talk about it. I go home. He calls me and says, okay, we're, we're doing you tomorrow. We're going to go take that stuff out. To make a long story short, they took the hardware out. My fevers and stuff went away. I still had the pain. We thought, okay, to help the pain, we'll put the hardware back in. And I still have tremendous back pain. And the problem is not the pain itself. It's the fact that it for a while prevented me from sleeping. It would prevent me from sleeping at night. There were a few times where I was up at 2, you know, 5, 6 a.m. It was nuts. Yeah, I think the longest I went was 72 hours without rest. It was misery. It was complete misery. And finally we came up with a combination of medications that were not sleeping pills. I tried sleeping pills and that didn't help. We came up with a combination of medicine that could help me sleep and that's what I've been doing for a year or so now. And that's been tremendously helpful. Without it, I couldn't sleep at night. I would be and I would be unable to function in the world. I would be a dysfunctional member of society. Because I couldn't sleep at night, you know, if, because I couldn't sleep at night. I could maybe catch a few hours at a time if I was lucky. Even if I could sleep, I'd wake up hours later in pain. And it's so terrible, especially when you can't walk and you're in pain, because it's difficult to get action. I find to help my pain, the best remedy is action of some sort. So I find myself pacing a lot in my apartment, for example. I pace a lot, back and forth, back and forth. 
And that's the most helpful thing that I can find other than the meds themselves. Even still, I struggle to sit for a movie, for an entire movie, for two hours and sit completely still. That's the biggest challenge I've had to overcome by far. And it's still a challenge and I'm still working through it. I still have hopes that eventually we'll figure out what the pain is in my back that causes me to routinely feel like I've been shot. But we're working through it. So why did you start this podcast? I started it, one, because I wanted to do a podcast for a long time. I'm in love with podcasting as a medium. I'm in love that I can be in my pajamas right now, and nobody knows. It's great. I also love that I get to talk to awesome and interesting people and hear their stories and share stories. I felt like it was a niche that I could work my way into, something that I could do that would be difficult for someone else to do in a way. And I'd never really heard of another podcast like it. And it was something that I myself wanted to listen to. So it kind of worked its way through that. And I actually was having lunch with a friend. And I told him I wanted to do a podcast. And somehow I ended up pitching him the idea. And when I finished my pitch, he said, all right, let's do it. All I needed was a little help to prove to me that it was a good idea, and then I could move forward with it. Because I have a lot of terrible ideas before I have a good one. What was your inspiration behind the podcast? I had two main inspirations for it. One was I really love Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. It's a great show. He, it's, an, it's amazing. I don't know why it airs on Bravo, but it's a great show. I could sit and watch it all the time. I remember... I don't think they have it anymore, but there used to be clips of it on YouTube or or even entire episodes uploaded to YouTube. And I spent hours just watching those episodes and I enjoyed it so much. My second was a podcast called The Loveumentary where this guy interviews couples. And they may be young, they may be old, long-term, short-term, Christian, Muslim, Jewish. There's one episode where he interviews a couple that's in an arranged marriage. And I liked the diversity of that and hearing their stories. And it sounds really boring to sit and hear about how a couple fell in love, but I found it incredibly interesting. So I, so I kind of combined Inside the Actor's Studio, the loveumentary, and a little bit of me and spit out Ability. So what's next for the Ability podcast? Hopefully something good. I've, I, I, I've, I've been working really hard on it. I'm excited. There's a new website up for it at abilitypodcast.com. I've worked really hard on that. A lot of it's just figuring out how to podcast because it's not super easy. Not, not necessarily the recording part of it, but the uploading and publishing part is incredibly difficult to figure out how to make the RSS feed work the way you want it to. I would, it's kind of been a back and forth of what more I want to do or if I want to kind of leave it where it is. I don't want to mess up a good thing, but at the same time, I love podcasting and want to do more. So I've had to, I've had a talk with a friend about maybe doing another podcast on something different. But currently, I'm just in love with the medium of podcasting. I listen to many hours of podcasts every week. I'm subscribed to probably more than 30 podcasts. So, love podcasting. We'll continue to do more.
Is there any disabilities you haven't covered on the podcast that you would love to interview someone about? Just for pure name value, I think it'd be neat to interview Stevie Wonder. Just, I don't know, that sounds fun. I mean, who wouldn't want to talk to Stevie Wonder? I'm I'm pretty open to, to doing it all. Part of what I love about doing this podcast is I get to learn about things that I didn't know. With one of the episodes, I remember the episode with Kali uh, Gagenheimer, I didn't know mucopolysaccharidosis existed. I didn't even know how to pronounce mucopolysaccharidosis. So that learning has been so much fun. So where do you see yourself in the future? Well, in the long-term future, probably in the ground. Um, (laughs) Nobody lives forever. Currently, I don't have a part-time or full-time job that will likely come around very quickly in the next 12 to 18 months, which sounds exhausting. I don't know. um, One day I would like to have a family. I think that would be a lot of fun. Fun challenge to have. It's all about the challenges. For the long term, I I genuinely don't know. I kind of go where the wind takes me. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions I have. Thank you for letting me interview you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ability. It was a lot of fun to make, and I hope you really enjoyed it. You can follow Destiny on Twitter at VDestinyDyer. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at AbilityPodcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at TheJacobHolt. You can send us an email at abilitypodcast at gmail.com. And please leave a review in iTunes. It really helps out the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep rolling forward.